Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. We got some exciting stuff coming down the pipe. We're announcing it yet, so this is a tease. We do have some exciting stuff coming. (laughs) I almost forgot about that. Some very exciting stuff. And it's not the fact that yogurt with granola tastes amazing. And people have been not telling me about that for 25 years. I thought that was like common knowledge that you more exciting than that. (laughs) No, that's that is not. I've started eating that for breakfast and oh man, is it good? Oh, all right then. Well, that's (laughs) exciting too. Maybe I'll try that one of these days. Yeah, but our, our tease is a lot more exciting than that. And it should be coming here um soon ish maybe next time yeah we got some we got some exciting uh stuff on the way we got some other plans for football season that will roll out at some point but hoping to churn out a bunch of content during the year uh it should be an exciting season so we have a very exciting guest on this podcast that we'll get to in a little bit we have a quick little rant it's all football today i believe all football all football because we talked tbt in the past Yep. They were knocked on the first round. We Again. tweeted about that sad loss. We had Jack Bonifant on the last podcast. I'm going to plug that. If you haven't listened to it yet and go back, former JMU golfer who recently played in the U.S. Adaptive Open, suffered like a severe skull injury. He was only about a month old and has had a crazy impressive journey uh, to get to where he is in the golf world. It was really fun talking to him for a half an hour while you were chilling at the beach. Yep. And uh, <laughs> now we're now we're jumping in. We got football season right around one the month. One month until Middle Tennessee, JMU currently a seven and a half point favorite mm. um, to take down Middle Tennessee. So that's kind of shocking to me. I thought that line would be a little bit closer. But and before we get any further, I forgot about something. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines, uh, including JMU Middle Tennessee seven and a half. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. Well, oh. <laughs> the way it's written, Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first bet. Use promo code BELIEVE50. That's promo code B-L-E-A-V-50, believe 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Hell yeah, great ad read. Thanks. So we got, a quick, rant. we got a quick rant here. So going into like the season, the football season, I would say like the off season, right? They're joining the Sun Belt, it all gets announced, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, we see the schedule. It's 11 games. Sunbelt East, pretty tough. They got Louisville as a non-conference game. And it was like, you know what? Like 500-ish makes sense for this team. And I still think that's probably fair, right? Five and six, six and five, something in that general area probably makes sense. But the, like, the more people talk about JMU and like, especially like national people or like other Sunbelt fans, the more annoyed I get and the more I want JMU to go like eight and three. So the one, it was like the Sunbelt sidelines, Louisiana account. And they're like, they did their top seven in each division. And they had JMU seventh in the East, which like, fine, right? I mean, fine. no, because ODU's in it. I think ODU's better than people think. I think ODU's like possibly a bold team. Like their defense looks good. They got some guys returning quarterback. I think people are low on ODU, but whatever. I think Georgia Southern stinks. They're going to stink. They're a triple option going away from a triple option. And they added like a Buffalo transfer, a quarterback who immediately became the starter without any competition because he wasn't a triple option quarterback like that. They're going to stink. But anyway, they're posting them and they put them seventh, which like whatever. But their logic is like they're unproven in the FBS. It's like that's the laziest logic I've ever heard. And I was getting fired up. It was like two weeks ago now. But I was getting fired up about all the people saying that they're not going to be good because they're unproven in the FBS. When it's like the last five times they played FBS teams, they're 2-0 and against a group of five. They beat SMU and ECU. They had that loss to North Carolina when Carolina had Trubisky. They led 21-14 to in the second quarter, end up losing by 28. 
They had a game against NC State when, was it Rashad Robinson, I think, got banged up. So they were missing one of their top corners who going into the year people legitimately had as like a potential top 100 draft pick. I think ESPN might have had an article on that. Anyway, he gets injured. It sort of derailed some of his pro aspirations, but they only lose the game by 11. It was close throughout. They had an early lead. They could have won the game. I think Danucci had like a red zone turnover. There was some stuff there. It was a winnable game. And then West Virginia, they lose by seven on the road. And they should have won that game in 2019. I think they were a little too cautious at times, but they were right in the game. So they're they're good. They've been unbelievable against the FCS. People are like, ah, they're just unproven against the FBS. When you look at like an old Dominion team, which has done truly nothing since joining the FBS, other than lose a lot. And the other stuff that drives me crazy, like old Dominion, they win five games in a row at the end of last year against like mediocre conference USA teams. Yeah, it's like, well, now they're proven against the FBS because they've they beat Charlotte or they like beat Louisiana Tech, which Southeastern Louisiana almost beat, who JMU like 40 pieced. Like it's the stupidest. The logic that they're like unproven is dumb when they've been good the last five times. They have a 2010 or whatever that was win against Virginia Tech. Like they've been, they don't have a large sample size. So I understand. But Bennett, it's different when you have to get up for just the one FBS game. (laughs) That one drives me crazy too, because a lot of people cite that one where it's like, it's hard for a team to get fired up or like, or JMU's emotions were so high and they treated it like their Super Bowl against NC State. Why was NC State not excited for their season opener? Same with West right. Virginia. Why was, why was West Virginia under a new coach ex- not excited for their season opener, both of which were also their home openers? Well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That does not make any sense. And the idea that, like, it's going to take so much emotion out of JMU to go play Texas State is a really stupid argument, too, I think. It's like, oh, my gosh, just the, the constant emotional and physical grind of playing at Arkansas State. <laughs> Like it's the Sun Belt is good, but let's not act like the Sun Belt is some like freakish league with only NFL superstars. Like that's that's what bothers me because I don't think that's entirely true. I think it's a little ridiculous. And like, I don't know, they have a good football team. And the other thing when people are like, you know, the physical toll when they were an FCS team, they had 20 fewer scholarships. They should be able to handle the toll more. Now, I do think like over the course of the season, it's obviously going to be harder but I think some of that is the teams are better. I don't know. I think there's probably some element that like, hey, if you're playing a Villanova, not even a Villanova, but like a Delaware, maybe you could rest Antoine Wells or something and you would still win by two scores or you could rest a star player that's a little dinged up. Whereas now if that happens, you might end up losing. So like I, I can hear some of that kind of argument, but it's, I think people are inflating the Sun Belt yeah. a little bit. I think they're inflating the Sun Belt, underselling the CAA and not fully grasping that like every team when they played JMU, especially in the CAA, that was their Super Bowl too. Because to beat JMU like was a huge, is a huge deal. Not like inflating our ego as JMU fans or anything like that. But like in all seriousness, you've won the CAA, what, four straight, five straight years, something insane or four of the last five years, something like that. So you're the best team in the CAA. You're the cream of the crop. You've won a national championship. You've gotten back there a few other times. You give North Dakota State everything they can handle. So, of course, when you play Delaware in Delaware, in front of their 70-year-old geriatric fans, like that's you're getting Delaware's best shot. You got Villanova's best shot when they came to Bridgeforth. So, like, saying that, I I just think it's overinflating the Sun Belt. It's underinflating the CAA. And I think it, I think the answer to the question is in the middle ground. And I think when we brought on Noah, uh, which spoiler alert is our guest coming up, I think he really hit it on the head really well about what to expect out of the season at the end of the conversation too. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. I I was just getting fired up because like, I think the main thing with me and like, I think sidelines, Louisiana should get a pass for this. But the main thing is like, if it's a, fan account or whatever, but more so when it's like the, the media members that are kind of like, um, you know, I, I just, they're unproven. I don't know what they're like at the FBS. So I'm going to pick them seventh. Yeah. Like that feels remarkably lazy. And yeah. If, like you're getting paid to cover the Sun Belt. I feel like you could give me a little bit more. Break analysis. it down that like they're introducing a new quarterback to their system. They lost their key contributor on defense 
or two of their biggest contributors on defense. There's a lot of question marks. They're thin at wide receiver. They're thin at line. Like I'll accept that. If you use that reasoning as this is why they're seventh in the Sun Belt. instead of saying they're just unproven against the FBS, which is like wrong. They're two and O against the group of five. They're two and O against the AAC, which people argue is the best mid-major conference. Um, and they've beaten them the last two times they've played them and they've given West Virginia all they can handle. And if they don't, muff the the muff the opening punt they probably win that game against nc state if they don't turn it over late they probably win that game too that's two wins against what big 12 and acc schools and then the u.s like it is remarkably lazy to say that they're unproven against the fbs when they could beat 50 percent of the fbs i think for me it's it's like a super like this is a very summer argument where if this argument happened in the fall and there were games, I probably wouldn't even care, but it's just like a sheer level of boredom. But I think it's just the word unproven that bothered me about it, where it's like, I would maybe just say like, you've never seen them play an FBS schedule and they're like inexperienced and you don't know what it's like for them to go through a whole season against the Sun Belt. That's basically what they're kind of getting at, which is, but it's dumb to me because like them, like nearly beating NC state to me, that entire body of work in one game, that was a good NC State team too. They were like a nine-win team. I think they started five and zero and like bodied Marshall like a week or two later. That is like just as impressive to me as Old Dominion having a two and ten season or like what is it Georgia Southern struggling with a triple option and sucking last year. Like why is playing twelve games and sucking in the twelve games make you more proven? Yeah than having a really small sample size of being competitive. That doesn't make any sense. And also JMU's coach. That, that's another, like, yes. He, he was, I, I know we always kind of joke about it because it gets brought up like so much about him being a Nick Saban assistant and like recruiting Russell Wilson at NC State and recruiting Devante Hightower, Dante Hightower at Alabama. Like it just is brought up so, so much and it's kind of become a butt of a joke. But at the same time, like, you can't say this team's unproven when they had one of the best recruiters on Alabama's staff for a short, short stint. And then what he did, like he, he knows the FBS realm. Yeah. He's been in the FBS a long time. And then they're like, ah, God, I just, I just haven't seen it. You know, I just, they're just unproven. It's like, Oh really? So like the quarterback who's played in like 35 career games, all of them at the FBS level, you just don't know what Todd Santeo is going to do. Like, how hard would it be to pull up like his highlights or one old game of Colorado state last year? Like, it's just stupid when it's like, I just haven't seen it. Well, it's like, they are probably going to start like four to six FBS transfers. The other guys have all played really well. Some of them have even played like, I think van horse is like the four string running back and had like a real solid game against West Virginia. So it's just insane. It's also funny because that to me saying they're finishing seventh because they're unproven also means they didn't click the schedule tab on the website. Cause if you look at the schedule, like it's a pretty easy schedule where middle Tennessee is going to be a tough game, but let's assume they win it. And we'll break, we'll do a schedule breakdown at the end of this podcast, but it just has like a quick look. You're looking in the month of September to October. There's a strong possibility. They're four and two. That's, that's the other thing. That's like, well, they're unproven. It's like if you could pick any two teams from the West to play, I think Texas State and Arkansas State, I would circle those pretty early on in my like picks. You know what I mean? Like those are two crappy Western teams and the West isn't that good. I think the Sun Belt's going to be awesome, but there are also a lot of fans that are like, we're the best in the G5. It's not even close. We basically deserve three spots in the college football playoff. <laughs> it's like like the current Mountain West without it's like better. San Diego State leaving is a pretty darn good league. And like the Sun Belt West, we, we can ignore because Jamie's not in the division. <laughs> kind of sucks right now. Like, I think the league will eventually get better. But the idea that like right now at this moment in time, the Sun Belt is clearly the best G5. It's a daunting test every week. It's like, no, <laughs> that's not entirely true. Yeah. you're. I mean, yeah, I agree with you on this. And I love the Sun Belt. I think it's going to be awesome. Like yeah. regional rivalries are cool. All these other conferences are going away from it and going out West with the big 10 and it's stupid. doesn't make any sense. It's going to be a lot. I think there are really good teams in the league, but there are also times where people are like, man, do they have four Heisman candidates at quarterback between McCall and Bryce? And it's like, still not sold on Chase Bryce, but okay. Like I, I think he's really also was never like, didn't he suck at Duke? 
like, I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not totally sold on it being like the greatest conference ever known. Show me something, Jack, show me some games. You're right. You're right. I'm, I'm, I have it circled. I'm excited for September 3rd, one month from today where we can stop talking about the off the field, random, you know, headlines and we can dive into the meat and potatoes that is this season. September 3rd, 6 p.m. at Bridgeforth against Middle Tennessee is going to be a fantastic game. Chase Bryce at Duke, 10 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. But but no, tell me how good he is. All right, do you want to tee up our next our next segment? Yeah, we had uh, Noah. Now I'm going to forget his last name immediately. I think it was, I don't know. It'll, it'll be correct because I asked him on the, that portion of the podcast. But anyway, he's the <laughs> the new DNR beat writer, uh, taking over for Greg Medea. So there's some big shoes to fill. But he's been on the beat. Um, I think he was telling us for seven or eight months now because he yep. took over right after the the North Dakota State loss. Really interesting timing, right? Because he's been around for a while but hasn't covered games. So I think a lot of people kind of ramp up their football consumption like now. So I think yeah. um, a good time to sort of introduce him to fans. Although if you're listening to this, you probably know who he is. Um, but to talk to him a little bit ask him about some camp stuff um i thought it was a really insightful and enjoyable conversation and even though we uh i may or may not have made fun of bcu take it away well now welcome in noah fleischman the newest football beat writer for the daily news record in harrisonburg really excited to talk to him about getting onto the beat and obviously a lot going on here with training camp starting for JMU football, 11-0 season probably coming, Signati coach of the year, all that good stuff. So Noah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're excited to have you. I know we're excited to finally talk football too. The summer months can be kind of a grind. Obviously, the Sunbelt move was really exciting and all that good stuff. But I guess let's start with a little introduction for you since you're reasonably new on the beat. I forget exactly when you started, but when did you start at the DNR and um, what did you do before joining the DNR? Yeah, so I started the Monday after Jamie lost to North Dakota State. So a great time to start. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I watched that North Dakota State game knowing I was starting on Monday and it was kind of like, well, this is an interesting time to start after, after losing that. But so yeah, I started then, um, but I was actually in college at the time. So I graduated in May from VCU and I kind of just applied to this job, like almost on a whim. It was like, if I get it, I'll figure out a way to do it. And so that's what happened. So both my class, I only had two classes this final semester. So I just did them both online, moved to Harrisonburg in like mid-January, and then have just been doing it ever since. So went back to Richmond a few times here and there, and then obviously to go graduate. But other than that, yeah, I've been in Harrisonburg for the most part. Interesting. Yeah, going to VCU is, you know, is this the first time you've ever watched football or anything? Or No, <laughs> <laughs> no not the first time I watched football, but the first time I've, I've covered it as like a, a beat. So it's it's fun. It's, it's something new. It's, you know, basketball is fun, but football is a totally different animal. Yeah, no, that's always interesting. I always forget that VCU obviously has that incredible basketball program, but doesn't have the Never heard of them. The fo- mm-hmm. You never heard of them, yeah. Who's Shaka, Shaka who? Don't know. <laughs> Yeah, many fans will remember JMU's really impressive one-point loss to VCU. Is that the – I can't remember if that was Byington or Rowe, but – That was buying. That was COVID year. Got it. Yeah, that, yeah, I was at that game, actually. That was a great game. They stormed back. Yeah, they made a little – That was uh, that was the highlight of – at that point, Jane, not to derail this football conversation into men's basketball, but that was, that was when they were trying to build – like, we didn't know how good Byington was, and so we were still expecting the worst. And then when they had that little mini comeback, everyone was like, and by everyone, I mean me and Bennett were texting and we're like, is this, is this, is this team good? It was also like their best accomplishment, like losing only by, <laughs> by ICU once. in like five years. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was like a 20 point game over points. So. Yeah. Well, I- yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, we're excited to have you here and excited to have you covering the football team. So Jack, you want to start with some, some camp questions? I figure that'll be the, the gist of our conversation mostly, right? Yeah, I mean, the biggest camp question is how many best shapes of my life have we heard already? I think, what, we're 24 hours into this. How many have we heard? Um. So last week at media day, I heard two. Okay. From per- Isaac Uku. So there was a start. <laughs> um, today, you know, we got, we got Kurt Tignetti afterwards. So he obviously said, you know, they're looking good. Uh, but we're going to get some players at the end of the week. So obviously probably a few more then, but you know, they do look good. I, 
I do like that. The Percy one, maybe there are some legs there. Like I think having him healthy could be good. I guess they seem more confident. Is that, is that right? They feel more confident, I guess, in him and his health now, because he's certainly one that every year, if you have him healthy, it kind of changes the running game a good amount. Yeah. I mean, they said that he looks like he's moving the best he ever has. And like he said, he told me he feels the best he's ever felt. So obviously that, but he's, he's put on like, I think 20 to 25 pounds of muscle since January. So wow. obviously he's, he's definitely, and he's down to I think six or 8% body fat. So he's transformed in the weight room, which is definitely what you want to see. That's, I remember, a, that's a scary sight. I was doing like a roster scroll, which I do when I get really bored at some point, like in the winter. And they did have him at like 190 or something and then whenever they updated it was like like 212 or something i was like whoa <laughs> all right <laughs> that's pretty impressive yeah a lot of weight yeah that's that's good to see so we've got percy in the running back room i know they have a bunch of other good running backs i think we were kind of interested in obviously it's the first day of camp we're talking to you on wednesday august 3rd but quarterback competition for us feels like it's probably todd Santeo, at least is the the leader there is that sort of the accurate gist of kind of the guy right now that's what it looks like just in camp he was with the ones today um and you know afterwards the question was posed like so what's the plan with quarterbacks because during the spring they were alternating Todd and and billy atkins every day between first and second team and Gertz mcnetty doesn't know what he's going to do tomorrow so it'll be interesting to see what happens he said they could do it that way they could just leave it how it is you know so it'll be interesting but i think it's kind of leaning that way just with that answer of saying i don't know we, we might just leave it and, and see <laughs> what happens do you think so how 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 much better if better is Todd Santeo to the rest of the group you can tell he's been around the block I mean obviously you just look at him he's a he's an athlete I mean he's he's tall he's big he can do the job and he's done it before um but when you look at him throwing and then you've got Billy Atkins throwing right behind him there's not too big of a difference I mean he's throwing less poor balls which i think is the biggest thing he's very consistent on his ball i think he had a couple today where they were not great from what i saw but other than that alonzo barnett a true freshman but the, the way he throws the ball you know he's got some 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 potential there but not this year i wouldn't put that out there that he's gonna you know take the job <laughs> but i definitely think in the future he's, he's definitely got a shot yeah jamie fans seem yeah. to love barnett like he seems to whether whether you're tweeting something or like the spring game stats or something like that, it seems the replies are always like, give Barnett a chance. He needs more reps. And it's just, there's always that one random quarterback that JMU fans really key in on. Was it Kyle Adams a few years ago? Yeah, no, you missed out on the Kyle Adams era where he was torching some like low level Indiana high school competition. And JMU fans were like, no, like, this guy's the future. And I think now he's a walk on at Purdue. So a, a yeah. different, a different uh, stretch than maybe <laughs> some of the fans expected, but it kind of sounds like this year's group actually has young guys like who could be future starters, I think for the program, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, we'll, if, if Centeno wins the job, you're probably going to look at another quarterback competition. If everyone stays next right. year. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, I think the biggest question when you're just looking at pure roster talent, um, who they've lost and the expectations moving into this season, Bennett and I always circle the secondary. And I mean, that's been kind of the issue every year um, lost Wesley McCormick. I think they have three returners from last year. Um, and a lot of them didn't get, you know, snaps with the ones or twos. Um, what, what's the kind of level of confidence this coaching staff has around that secondary right now? I think they're confident because of who they brought in. I mean, they've really, transfer portal was their best friend at the secondary. I mean, they've got a couple of corners from power five in the spring. They got Jerry's Ramonique from Arkansas state, a safety. They got Deion Jones, a safety from Boston college. So they, they went heavy in the portal on the secondary. And I think that's kind of what they're confident in. I mean, it's the, the defense as a whole is pretty, pretty solid. And I think that a lot of guys that weren't new in the past have come in and brought that experience, but there's a lot of young guys that can that are stepping up. And I think you could see this fall in that secondary kind of, getting action and getting a lot of, a lot of time out there. I know I was interested with the transfers. There's always the storylines that I think every program kind of does it where it's like the coach really likes how the guys fit in um, chemistry wise and how they're playing, which kind of makes sense, right? It'd be weird if a coach in the off season was like, I kind of hate these guys. I made a huge mistake in the portal, but, but bringing them in, it seems like, especially in the secondary, maybe on defense, there are some guys who can really contribute immediately. Are they also kind of taking on leadership roles? Is it too early to tell? What does that look like? Cause I know like Tucker Dorsey was a, a huge voice in that room. 
Yeah, the biggest in the secondary, I would say, like, a guy like Deion Jones. Obviously, he's he's in his last year of eligibility, grad student. He's been at two other schools before here, both Power Five at Maryland and Boston College. He's been, you know, talking a lot in the secondary at practice from what I've seen, which is something that you want to see. And I think that that's kind of a good leadership role. He obviously knows how to win in the FBS, being at some bigger schools. And I think, you know, he brings that mindset. But also, we talked to him in the spring, and he, I guess, there's a vibe about him that's just different. I mean, he came in, he knows he's got all this experience, he power five transfer, you can act like you're the hot shot, but he's like so humble about it. And, you know, he's willing to learn from Sam Kidd or all the way down to a freshman. So I think that's kind of kind of cool about him. And he's not trying to take the driver's seat. He's kind of a quiet leader, but he's definitely got that leadership role. That's awesome. That's exciting. Um, Bennett mentioned, mentioned Tucker Dorsey. Have you seen a linebacker kind of step up or how do they plan on replacing that type of production and that type of experience in the linebacking group? Yeah, they've got Taurus Jones and Jalen Walker. I mean, they're probably the ones that are, they're, they're the ones that are going to have to do it because that was the one spot where they lost somebody and didn't go get anybody to replace them. You yeah. saw it at wide receiver. They lost Antoine Wells. They lost um, Weston McCormick at corner and they went and got people in the portal. They didn't get a linebacker. So they're not, obviously they're not terribly deep there. And he kind of mentioned it today, you know, the linebackers got to stay healthy because if they don't, then <laughs> they're in trouble. So I think Jalen Walker, um, you know, he's, he's going to have to step up big time. And Tyrus Jones right next to him. They're, I think I think they'll be fine. You know, they're two young guys, but they, they're quick and they're fast and they're strong. So I think that's all you really need out of a, a linebacker. Switching gears a little, I was kind of interested in your take on Signetti at Media Day and just sort of his demeanor being around him for a few months now. It seemed like, at least to me, like early on, some of the interviews, he was like, kind of choosing his words carefully. And then like, by the time he got like the full pressure in front of the room, he's like, we're going to win championships. I just don't know when, like he got, seemed like he yeah. got progressively more intense. Like as the, the day went on, what's it been like sort of following him and just sort of interacting with him on a regular basis? I mean, he's a, he's a cool guy. I mean, he's an interesting guy at the same time, you know, obviously being football around his whole life, he's, he eats, sleeps, breathes. I mean, I talked to him, I've talked to him before and you know what he does in his free time? He, watches film like he'll go to the office and watch film come home and then just turn on his computer or whatever and watch more film so that's the kind of guy he is but yeah during media day he was pretty candid on the podium I mean just going through his opening remarks and, and talking about how the Jamie's a winner just doesn't know kind of how quickly and but he promised that you know it's gonna improve every year so if they get four wins this year then they're expecting five or six the next and just eventually getting to that you know 10 9 8 win team and I think that you know he wasn't, he didn't bite his tongue up there, which I think, you know, it says something that he's confident in, and the players are confident too. And I think that's something you want to see, you know, making this jump into a really, really good conference. Yeah, no, that's good. To, I know we had one um, question on Twitter that I think we can get to a little later too, but uh, as Joey Needham had mentioned, is there any inclination or belief that Signetti will tweak his coaching philosophy now that they're not head and shoulders above everyone talent wise? If you didn't know, there's a JMU fan, um, storyline almost that Signetti is not actually a great coach and that he's constantly out coached, but Jamie, who had such a talent advantage, which they did in a lot of like CAA games, they were able to just win regardless. Do you see him drastically overhauling anything to play up to harder teams or is it sort of the same old system? I kind of asked him, you know, like what changes when moving to the FPS? Like what, what changes? He goes, if there was a better way of doing something, we would have already done it. So that kind of answers your question there. I mean, but he, he said the, the, the thing that changes is just demanding more from his players. I mean, the attention to detail has got to be there. And he, he talked about, you know, they were able to win. They were able to win games last year playing like a C plus game and could skate by. And if you play a C plus game at this level. You're not going to you're not going to win the game. And so I think that's that's kind of the biggest change. But I don't think, you know, philosophy wise, he's really changing anything. I think you're going to see a similar Kurt Signetti that you saw last year and moving forward. Has he talked any this so far throughout this entire offseason spring into media day into today about their red zone woes from last year? No, not yet. Um, but I guess one thing about camp, which is, you know, already a note is, you know, the receiver room is not deep at all. And it is, is something that's could play a factor in that. I mean, we talked, I talked about that a little bit today, just, um, you know, last year, you could take three points and then move on, but you might not be able to do that now. But I think at the same time, you have a running back room that's fully healthy and they didn't have that at all last year. And I think that'll also help kind of down in the red zone, but receivers, biggest question mark. Um, not really sure what you're going to get out of after you move through the top three and it just goes, it's an unknown. Yeah. Basically. 
Yeah, what is what does that look like at all? I know he mentioned. I want to say he mentioned Maxwell James at one point. I think he had a good spring game, the redshirt freshman. Yeah, but I guess what else is there? Who sort of looks <laughs> like that that top three? Because um, I know it's it's sort of certainly not like you mentioned the the deepest room, at least when you look at it on paper. Yeah, they have. You know, you have Chris Thornton, obviously, as as the guy coming back. Then you've got Terrence Green, a transfer from Monmouth, who, who they got to get something out of this year. I mean, he's good, but the, he's going to have to probably hit another level. And then I'm trying to think, there's one more name in my head. You got a guy like um, Brandon Ravenel, who's pretty good, and he'll fit in what now, now I just slipped my mind, of course, after I bring up wide receivers. But <laughs> they've got a, a great, like, solid core of, of receivers. Reggie Brown is who I was forgetting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a solid core, but it's that next three to four that you really need to kind of step up. And Maxwell James falls in that category. They got Troy Lewis from East Carolina, who falls in that category of you got to step up and play. And so I think that's kind of the biggest unknown is you know what you're getting out of Chris Thornton, for example, but if you don't have many receivers, it's going to be easy for other teams to just take out Chris Thornton. Yeah, that's the one battle I'm really interested to follow your coverage and, and see how it develops through camp. Because for me, when I go like onto the roster, I'm like, this guy's six four. He's the guy. It's not really how it works. So, <laughs> I mean, they they did have Jamie did have a, a high schooler on campus yesterday who's six six. So. Oh, I saw that's that. Next I, great, uh, next great receiver. I think there was some <laughs> fan. There were some fans who were, were saying that. I think. <laughs> we got the we got Riley Stapleton. <laughs> We've had tall receivers before. And then I think my last question is trying to kind of put you on a spot here. How many wins does JMU hit this season realistically? Okay. So I've said this like before, so I'm not scared to say it again, <laughs> like realistically, like, uh, like a number that I think they hit is four. I think a ceiling is six. Like, do I see them going six and five? It could happen. But <laughs> after you look through the path, like, it's it gets difficult down the stretch i mean yeah. it's not gonna be pretty football for a could it could be pretty i mean they could come out and firing but at the same time these are some teams that are you know pretty good and a lot of them are coming to bridge forth so i think four wins is a conservative number six wins is if you're trying to you know if you want a ceiling i'd put it as six wins and i think you if you they finish over 500 i think throw a party i think I like that, that would be pretty successful as well jack i thought you were going to ask him to just name the the 2d best putting him on the spot just project <laughs> yeah, just, a 2D. can you break down each position because we Backup know stars. i'm so excited for the first 2d when the quarterback comes out it's going to say todd centeo or billy atkins or alonzo barnett and it's going to say percy or or like there's, there's going to be they, so many oars I yeah I, I would imagine you could get an or chase Hart on quarterback and you can get an or Blake <laughs> on campus. So obviously it's yeah I wouldn't expect the starter to be named soon I mean, that's what people are asking like when do you think a starter gets named they I think they will figure it out internally but I don't mm -hmm. think they'll name one anytime soon yeah I love when they do the the slow delay I guess last question for me is there anything um that you're really looking forward to watching at camp or following or, or even past camp I guess is there anything this season that sort of interests you the most that's just someone who joined the beat and is interested in following their first FBS season yeah it's kind of it's probably going to be you know how can this this roster really hold up against 10 FBS games in a whole season normally they play one so you can get yeah. through it and, and move on but I feel like you take a different beating playing this kind of level and we'll see what happens so i think that's the biggest thing is we know it's gonna happen week one but what what does it look like when coastal carolina comes to harrisonburg for the last game of the year and and if, if the roster holds up then you know they're doing something right if, if injuries start piling up then you see why some teams take a transition year so it'll be interesting but i think they'll get through it awesome smart smart move by signetti to say that they're going to contend for championships eventually because it, it takes the pressure off year one it's hey we'll be there one it, it day it's takes trust off, me. it takes a pressure year two and three and four kind of too because you can just eventually we're going to win championships yeah, yeah, just give... i mean he did say he doesn't plan on being down two or three scores this year so you could use that for what you want. i thought i thought that was a very bold statement in media day <laughs> we were because I, I would be surprised if there isn't at least one game that they trail at one point by two to three scores <laughs> i i would probably if you're going to pick a game on schedule i'd say at louisville probably is going to be the one that that happens there's a pretty good chance there i could even see like app state jumps on him in that that first road game against a really yeah. good that could be a didn't a they trail by didn't they trail by two scores against north dakota state i think so they did yeah, yeah so like what what is my man? What is he saying? <laughs> I I mean, but he said he expects to win by two or three, so we'll see what happens. But that's when he was feeling it during media day. He was, he was I think he blacked out during. Half I mean, <laughs> I will say you know, there's there's things that he was saying that I had me laughing. 
I was like, he's confident. <laughs> it had me laughing in there, but it was good. He had, I'll let you go in a second. Sorry for, for taking your whole no, afternoon, you're but he, he had the, <laughs> Jack, I don't know if you remember, his opening press conference, he alluded to a pig story. Yep. And then wouldn't tell anyone for like five months, but I think it was at, at Elon, what was it? It was like the opposing or the tailgaters, the hardcore tailgaters at Elon would roast a pig every like game day and they would name the pig after the opposing coach's wife. So I think he was he was laughing because they were going to then play Elon. So his wife was then going to eventually be, be named oh. after the pig. Yeah, but it was a weird opening press conference when he looked at his wife and was like, "Should I tell the pig story?" <laughs> and she was like, "No." <laughs> what a guy! Character. What a guy! What an interesting guy! Yeah, <laughs> awesome. All right, well, we should let you plug yourself though. So where can people find your work, uh, whether it's Twitter or your written stuff online? Yeah, so it's always on the on the DNR's website, of course. That's where most things go. And then uh, on my Twitter, just Fleischman underscore Noah. Um, that's where a lot of things end up too. But you know, hopefully this is an exciting first year to be on the beat. You know, moving to the FBS, I've gone through what seven, eight months of no football mm-hmm. really. So finally, actually, a month away feels pretty good. So looking forward to a month from today. Yeah, can't wait. It's a super unique time to to take a beat. Been a while since there's actually been a game. Yeah, exactly. Can't wait. Jack, you got anything else? No, that's it. Awesome. Noah, thanks for joining us. I'm sure we'll hit you up at some point during the season, too. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Noah. Um, Some fantastic insights all around. I think my favorite part of the conversation was the amount of I'm in the best shapes of my life, but then Percy actually had the stats to back it up, you know, 6% body fat threw on 20 pounds of uh, muscle. I mean, I can do that in like two days. So it's, it's kind of weird that it took him an entire off season to do, but uh, hats off to him. Hats off to Isaac Ukwu at media day. And eventually this JMU team will win games. Yeah. I mean, it's at some point they're going to contend for a championship. It could be now. It could be in 2050. It could be another 100 years from now. But at some point, they're going to be a championship brand. Could be not with Kurt Signetti. Could be with Kurt Signetti. I'm also, we didn't get into this with Noah, but I'm really interested to see JMU. Like, it seems like JMU fans have tempered their expectations pretty well, mm-hmm. where they're like accepting of, you know, sixth, seventh in the Sun Belt East. Um, but I'm really excited to see, you know, when it is, the dog days of winter slash late fall with November game starting it really against Marshall, October 22nd, really strong chance that they lose their final five games. And I'm really interested to see how JMU fans like react come November 27th after a three possession loss to coastal at home. Uh, yeah. I'm also very interested to see the, the reactions to whatever this year brings. I think somewhat interesting. You've got the, like over under win totals, I guess it varies by book, but like, it's still kind of right around six and a half, but I think it, uh, the under has a decent amount of juice now where it's like, that's sort of the the side that I guess would not quite as much value, but the side that makes more sense of the six yeah. and a half would be going under, which I think checks out. Um, yeah, I think the, the fans have a general idea that they're not going to be the best, but I also think they, they might surprise some people with how competitive they are in games. That was sort of the one thing for media day that stood out to me the most from Kurt Signetti was, and we kind of got into it a little bit with um, Noah at the end where he was like, yeah, we're not going to be down by two or three scores, which probably not true, but the idea that he thinks they're going to be competitive in all 11 games, I thought was, was interesting and is important a little bit, right. For the Sunbelt, just the fact that um, from a fan perspective that they can be in every game. Like even if they don't have a great record, I think the game against coastal could still be a lot of fun at the end of the year. Yeah, 100%. And I think we've teased it enough. Do you want to do a week by week breakdown of this schedule before we jump into it? Are you on the over or are you on the under six and a half wins? I think the safe play is the under. I think expecting them to get, what about you? I'm on the under as well. There's no way they can get seven wins. Seven just feels really high, really high. And what Noah said, if they're six and five at the end of the season and they're over 500, that's a win. Like that's Jamie, you should celebrate that. So week one, September 3rd at home, middle Tennessee, JMU's favored by a touchdown and a half a point. So seven and a half. Who, what do you expect out of this game? I know it, when the schedule was first released, we all kind of were like, oh, that's a, that's a gimme game. Like 
that's a dub. That's like Norfolk State. But I'm not too sure now. It seems like as we've inched closer to this game, I've had more worry about this game. What do you think about it? Um, I think it's kind of a huge game in some ways where like if they lose this game, like I still think they have a chance to rally and be competitive the rest of the year. But if they lose this game, like in terms of the win total and general expectations, I would lower them fairly substantially. So I think it's a big one if they can win it because the Norfolk State game is essentially a guaranteed win. So I think it's a very important game if they can get it and build a little momentum and, and give fans like false hope that they're going to upset Appalachian State and like run the table. That would be fun. So I'm going to say they win this one. I think it'll be competitive. I do think the fact that it's probably going to be sold out with people who legitimately want to be at the game is going to play a decent role in this. By the time the, the game ends, it'll be like dark, right? It's kind of a night game there. I think it'll be a, a pretty good crowd. So I'll say they'll win the game. Middle Tennessee is coming off of a seven and six season, four and four in Conference USA and a Bahamas Bowl win. Not a bad team. Not a bad team at all. I think Jamie's kind of overinflated them. It is worth noting they were two and five away from home last season, four and one at home. So a much different team when they hit the road and uh, being in Bridgeforth, I think will play a major factor. I think Jamie will see some, some solid success this season at home. And I think it does begin week one against middle Tennessee. I think it'll be a, like you said, though, it's going to be a huge game and it might be really difficult at the same time where you're going to be trying to figure out a lot. There's a lot of new faces on this roster. So we'll be interesting to see, but I think, I think it's a win. I think it's a close win though. I would go on middle Tennessee plus seven and a half, but this isn't a betting podcast. So. No, but there, yeah, there's, there might be a little value there. This one's probably going to be competitive. Um, week two is September 10th. Norfolk state comes to town. I think we both are on the same side. The Spartans picked this one up in a really crazy win. Yeah, I, I just hope that the um, ESPN broadcast is the Norfolk State guys. I don't. Why would you ever hope that? <laughs> I love them. The guy would like throw an interception and they're like, honestly, though, tight spiral. He ripped <laughs> and then, that ball. <laughs> and, then there was, and then there was a lightning delay and then they just ended the game in the third yeah. quarter where if they had played that game out, I think a lot of records would have been broken. Going into it, I was hoping they would win 100 and nothing. <laughs> I think they were on pace too. Yeah, they would have probably at least hit like 80. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't think anything crazy about this one. I think it's a get right game before week three getting on the road against App State. Uh, actually, week four, week three, they have a bye. Oh, so sorry about that. Yeah, that is how there's a plus. There's a, yep. Okay. It's an so important week, buy. Week, I don't like, here's, let, let's get your take on this. Do you like an early buy? They have two because it's the 11 game. So it like works out pretty well for them. Um, but like if they only had the one that would stink, but yeah. it, it works out because they get the 11. I saw someone on YouTube. It was like maybe the lot of 12th game. I was like, I don't, I don't think they Sounds can do like that in transition year. I don't think that's right. Cause the, Sounds <laughs> cause like how the, the year works. It wasn't dumb. I know, but <laughs> it does I, sound I, like that. our friend, right when the schedule came out, he goes, uh, I expect 12 games. So I think James going six and six. And we were like, well, there's only 11. So <laughs> I don't know how that's happening. That's a bold prediction, though. I like that. <laughs> um, so week three by week four, App State first away game, first Sun Belt game against arguably the best Sun Belt team, um, not only in the East but overall. What do you expect? They're the betting favorite to win the the entire conference, despite the fact that the East is harder. I think Louisiana's like minus odds to win the West, but they're still giving App State. App State's schedule is really hard at the beginning of the year. I will say that. They open at home against North Carolina, which is like a sweet home game to have. Yeah. Then they go to Texas A&M, which is like a top top 10, top five <laughs> caliber team. So like they'll be tested early. They have Troy the week before JMU. So excited to see what they do. I think it's like it would be fun if Jamie was 2-0. You get the bye week. You get, you know, App State's already played better teams. Maybe they're overlooking it. But um, I just think they're better. And, like, going on the road to Appalachian State is going to be such a hard test. So I'll take Appalachian State. I think Appalachian State, too. I think this is going to be such a fun game, though. Like, yes, this is the perfect welcome to the Sun Belt game I think there is. Outside of maybe playing Coastal at home. Just an awesome game. App State will win. They are the better team. There's a reason they're the betting favorite to win the Sun Belt. But that's going to be a fantastically fun game. 
Don't forget that Chase Bryce threw five more interceptions at Duke than he did touchdowns. How long has he been at App State, though? Just the one year. He had a great year last year. I will give okay. him that. 27 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, over 3,000 yards, ran for three touchdowns. So he had, a, he had a really good year his first year there. I'm not holding much against him what happened at Duke because they are a not great program. Honestly, that's fair. That's fair. He's a, he's a solid quarterback, but I've seen some people floating him as like, like an NFL quarterback. I'm like, I'm not, not yet sold on that. Yeah. Okay. I'll agree with that. Um, October 1st at the, it's the Everett Withers revenge game. Um, Texas state is coming to Harrisonburg. This is breaking up a three game kind of there's, I can't word this correctly. Three away games from September 24th to October 15th. This is kind of breaking it up. Um, if you follow my logic there. Who do you like in this game? This is Sunbelt game number two, game number four of the season. I don't think Texas State's going to be very good. Now, why is that? Is it because Everett Withers left that program in ruins? That's just such a hard job, too, where it's like, it's like, it's one of those jobs that people are like, it's a fertile recruiting ground. It's like, yes, if you can beat out like the eight other colleges in your state that have better football programs, it's a very fertile recruiting ground. So I don't think Texas State great. I think the game being at home on family weekend uh, should make for a, a decent crowd. And I think they'll they'll win it and get to three and one. So last season, Texas State went four and eight. I kind of like looking at these kind of bad yeah. teams, what their records were. They did have a nine point loss to Baylor at home for their home opener. So not too terrible. They did lose by eight to UIW. They did lose by a lot to Eastern Michigan. Um, they l- beat South Alabama in a four overtime game. They lost to Troy, lost to Georgia State, got shut out by Louisiana. Um, they did win their homecoming game against ULM, <laughs> ULM, and then they lost their they lost to Georgia Southern, lost to Coastal. Not a great year for them. Lost some really bad games. I think I think Jamie wins this game. Jacksonville State has not won more than four games since 2014. Jacksonville State. Sorry, Texas State. <laughs> Where did Jacksonville State the, come uh, from? The head coach's <laughs> name is, is Jake, and it got in my head. <laughs> there's, a, there's a quick glimpse under the hood of how my brain works. Okay, so Texas State has what? I was like, why did it give me such a weird look? It's a good stat. No, they, Texas State has not won more than four games since 2014 when they won seven. So their four wins last year was actually the most they've had since 2014. Wow. A lot of two and tens, a lot of three and nine. So they're the current head coach, three and nine, two and ten, four and eight. So it's, I don't know, I have a hard time believing they're like on the verge of some, some big change. Yeah, there's no one that likes, like there's no Chase Bryce, there's no Grayson McCall, there's no Graham Wells. Who's Marshall's quarterback? He went to Tech, the Wells guy. So they added a Texas Tech guy who can sling it, but I forget his name. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think Jamie beats Texas State in that game. I think they're going to pick up their first road win in Sunbelt play on October 8th against Arkansas State. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, I think Arkansas State with Butch Jones will eventually be good, but I think this is a kind of a gettable time to get them. So I would kind of agree. So we got them at, at four and one. That's, that's what I'm saying. So here's my thing. I think they win five games this season. I think they start the season really hot. Mm-hmm. And then I think the end of the season is a murderer's row of teams, Coastal, Louisville, Marshall, Georgia <laughs> it really State. Is. Like the, it's such a front loaded schedule that I think, and this is why I'm excited to see JMU fans come end of season when they mm-hmm. drop their final five and you're sitting there and you're like, we were four and one. We're now four and six. Okay, so how do how do you think going off of that? How are Jamie fans reacting? Let's say it's October twelfth, so the middle of the week after yep. they've beaten Arkansas State, they're what three and one? Or you think they beat Georgia Southern too? No, they're sitting at four and one after beating Middle. Oh, Tennessee. I forgot Middle Tennessee. Yeah, so they'd be four and one after that, and then going into got... Georgia Southern. I think JMU fans have hyped themselves up to think. Not only can they beat Georgia Southern, they see a win at Georgia Southern because you just came off the win on the road against Arkansas State. And then they have Marshall circled homecoming and they're like, we're six and one, baby. 
But I think in all reality, they're going to be four and three. You think they're going to lose to Georgia Southern? Is that the triple option? They're the they're they have Clay Helton though, but yeah, they're transitioning away from the triple option. I think I think it'll be tough at that portion of the schedule to so I did say I think they win five games. I do think they'll win Marshall or they'll win this one. We gotta pick one. I'd rather I'd rather them win Marshall, but I'll go Georgia Southern. They'll win against Georgia. It'll be tough though, because it's back-to-back road games in the Sun Belt in like the heart of the schedule. Yeah, that's true. I kind of think, think they. I think they win it. I think they're five and one, <laughs> and then I think the legs fall out of the season. So we both okay. So we can agree they'll be five and one. I think that that's kind of optimistic. Like I do think there's enough of those games are not like gimme games other yeah. than Norfolk State that I wouldn't be surprised if they were like even three and three. I think it's more likely they lose Georgia Southern than they, than they win. That's that spot too. If they are playing really well, actually feels like a tough spot because it'd be on the road again and people would be hyping the living crap out of that Marshall game. So it's, it's going to be a tough spot. I think we're at five and one. It's definitely a little optimistic, but I also don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I also do think they win five games this season. So like, okay. If, if there's a spot where they're going to win five, like I think that's the, the first six games is where your five wins come. I don't think you pick up a win in your final five weeks. I think (laughs) we'll bring it. Okay. So we're going week by week. Um, October 22nd, Marshall. I think that's one they're going to lose, at least the I way I'm too. playing out this season with five and one huge game. I am pretty high on Marshall. I really like what they have. I like to coach. I think they're a really solid team. Yeah. I think that was a, that was a huge get for the Sun Belt. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be a, a great rivalry. I think it'll be a good game. Like, I don't think it'll be non-competitive because it's homecoming. Fans will be crazy. It'll be sold out much like week one against Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But I think Marshall's like the better team. That would agree. I think they probably have a better team. So then November 5th, they head to Louisville. Malik Cunningham. Yeah, Malik Cunningham, assuming he's healthy, man, the guy's a freak. I think he has a chance to kill him. They've had like, they haven't been bad under Scott Satterfield. They've just been like maybe more mediocre than they wanted, but they're starting to get a bunch of recruiting wins, which is kind of confusing. I wonder if they're throwing the bag at people, but anyway, I think they'll, uh, they'll win that one. So I think Jamie loses that is what five and three They're five and three now. Then they head down to ODU in Norfolk. I think they lose that game. I just think ODU is underrated. I think people are kind of sleeping on. It's a road game rivalry. I think ODU is going to be decent this year. So I think ODU beats them. And ODU did finish the season really well. Like if they can keep that momentum. I know it's really like. They're well coached too. It also, you don't keep momentum from season to season. But like, I'll, I'll go into that cliche if they can keep that momentum after winning what five games in a row, but losing their bowl game, like they should beat JMU. I think they're a better team than JMU at this moment in time, Georgia state, November 19th, Georgia state. I don't know what to think of them. I don't think they're that great, but they return a ton. I I want to say at media day, their coach was talking, they got like 18 of 22 guys or something. And they won like seven or last eight or something. So I'm going to say they lose that one in their five and four, just because I think Georgia state is a kind of an underrated team. I agree. I think, isn't Georgia state like picked to finish second or third in the Sunbelt East. They're definitely, they're somewhere in the top four. I want to say they're third. I think it's like uh, app state coastal and then, uh, and then Louisville and then Georgia. (laughs) I'm always saying Louisiana. And then I think Georgia state might be third or something like that. They're certainly in the mix. If they're going to win a game in this final stretch, this would be the game they win. I think. But I don't think they win it. It's definitely a gettable game, yeah. I think ODU is also a gettable game, but I think being on the road just makes it so much harder. Especially, I want to know this from the coaching staff. And I wish we would have asked this question of Noah, but it probably hasn't come up yet. And it'll probably come up when they go on their first road trip. You've been doing the CAA road trips for 15, 20 years, like as a program for so long, right? You've been mm-hmm. going to Taos, you've been going to Delaware, you've been going to Maine, 
um, et cetera. I feel like figuring out the logistics of a completely new travel is, that is- really going to add like <laughs> a layer of stuff that we might not initially think about sneaky good article idea for someone on the beat just like talk to whoever handles the logistics yeah because they probably have like similar hotels and plans yeah. and all that stuff it's like where's your hotel who's doing the catering for the game yeah that's fascinating yeah thank you so i think i think that'll be a really big thing for these away games this season because it's a new experience every single time like if you had a fifth year senior cole johnson had been to newark delaware three times in his he knew what to expect now you get Percy, who's in his 15th year at JMU, has never been to any of like he does. You don't know what to expect, even as a veteran. You're all a freshman traveling for the first time. So I'm really interested to see how that plays out throughout the season. For that, I think ODU is a loss because it's traveling down Norfolk. Georgia State is a gettable game, but it's a loss. And that was just a long winded way to bring us into November 26th, our season finale against Coastal at home. Yeah. I, uh, I think Jamie wins this one. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I think they no, end don't. with a bang. Coastal You're plays. lying. So here's my here's my logic. I think either Coastal is a little more overrated and they'll be out of the Sunbelt East chase and just like ready to check out by that point. And it'll be App State or Marshall or someone else who gets it done. I think Coastal has to play at Marshall in late October. And then they play Appalachian State the next week. So it could be already out of it by then. And they play at UVA the week before. And I think there's a chance they win at UVA. So I think if they're out of the the east hunt and they've like come off a big win or or whatever against UVA i think they're not totally stoked for the road trip to harrisonburg which is a very similar travel trip to to UVA and i think they show up kind of dead and jmu's players are hyped to end the season with something at home and they win i wonder what travel will be like when's thanksgiving this year it's in between those games so i wonder if they just stay in virginia they alluded to possibly doing that at um media day but it it didn't sound like the uh ad would go for like a week of hotels that's valid um (laughs) they can crash at my place (laughs) (laughs) um i mean their sunbelt schedule is kind of favorable ah at georgia state at marshall's tough yeah, but Georgia Southern, Louisiana, is Louisiana Monroe supposed to be good? No, they suck. Georgia Southern, Louisiana Monroe probably suck. And then home against ODU. They're a better team than that. I, I mean, yeah, at Marshall's tough, at Georgia State's tough, and against, but home against App State, which could be the de facto Sunbelt Championship. Could be a battle. If they're still in point. the mix, they I might see your them. point. But if they're in the mix, that's a that's a bad loss. I think that's a three possession loss. I'm giving them six wins. I'm giving them five. Fair enough. All right. And that comes down to under six and a half wins for both of us. Hell yeah. But I think there's a possibility they, they get to 11. If, if a couple of bounces go their way. I know you're joking. Um, but the, it's just it, the beginning of their schedule is so favorable. Like they literally can be sitting there for, like, I don't think it's far-fetched to think they're sitting there at four and one. Like, what if that? What if Appalachian State didn't figure out some of its defensive woes? I still think they beat JMU because JMU's defensive. What if they win that? Chase game? Bryce is going to carve JMU's secondary up like a hot knife rolling through butter on Thanksgiving Day. But uh, I'm not sure he has it in him. All right. Anything else you got to add about football? I think Noah hit a lot of the camp preview stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll probably have a couple more football previews as we get more information and we have a better deal as. There's four, I guess after this one, three more podcast episodes before football, before week one. So a few yeah. more, uh, I get, pull on a few more guests here and there and, and talk mm-hmm. with people as we get ready for football. But anything else you got to add? No, just some exciting stuff coming everyone's way that we'll certainly share. Can't wait to share that. Very exciting <laughs> stuff. And um, yeah, we'll have a lot of football content. Got to start writing again. Got to get some stuff going here. But it's, it's going to be good. I'm excited for football season. We're going to have a mega preview at some point, I think, is our plan. I think mega preview probably two weeks out. Yeah. If that, so we have more information and we can kind of do a deeper dive and opponent research. And we'll actually do research for a podcast. Yeah, that's great. 
Wow. All right, for Bennett Conlon, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. We have so much exciting news coming. We're just going to continue. Maybe we'll never <laughs> drop the news and we'll just keep teasing. I like that. I like that. Um, have a wonderful rest of your day, whichever day you're uh, listening to this. You know, it could be a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, or even a Sunday. Um, until next week, see ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.